You're listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. This show was created for entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers, and dreamers who want to learn from the experts of today and drastically shortcut their own success to build a business that supports their dream lifestyle. Since 2011, Tyler Jorgensen has been interviewing business thought leaders from around the world. A serial entrepreneur himself, Tyler also shares his personal insights into what's working in business today. Welcome to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. Welcome out to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. I am your host, Tyler Jorgensen. And today, I have a friend of mine, Josh Orr. Uh, Josh is the founder of Streamline Retail. They are a company that helps brick and mortar businesses take the absolute best parts of their business and sell online and embrace the 21st century of e-commerce. You can find him online at at uh, on Instagram at Retail Josh. Welcome out to the show, Josh. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be here. And that intro, uh, yeah, I, that was my like mid hype. I'll go. I'll eventually get to like full levels of hype because I'm really excited to talk e-commerce and retail and the the crossover or the bridge of mm-hmm. like yesterday to tomorrow, right? Because you get to work with, with brick and mortar businesses that uh, a lot of them are dying and give them, a, give them a lifeline. My first question to you, Josh, is this, when was the moment that you first realized you were an entrepreneur? First moment I realized I was an entrepreneur. That is tough. You know, what's funny is I... I feel like I've just gone through this like life transformation. I, um, growing up, did terrible in school, like absolutely terrible. And I somehow went to college. I don't even, doesn't even, like I graduated high school with a 1.9 GPA. Uh, you may not even think that's possible. But then I, I finished school and I, I like, didn't really have a lot of drive. I didn't know what I, I wanted to do. And then I stumble into this position. And like I was at the time, I was like helping retail stores get their point of sale. And you know, that company kind of went away. And then so I started my own thing because it, you know, I was able to keep doing what I was. And somewhere along the way there, it just clicked where I, I think it was about the impact I was having uh, and realizing like I was really helping businesses get to turn around. And so it probably was either when I was young and I was, wasn't doing well in school and I realized that I hated how everyone did it and I wanted to do it my own way or later in life with the impact. I find most entrepreneurs have at least one example where they just didn't fit the mold, right? And you you have that with even in, in high school, like this did not, this does not make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Doing this just for the sake of getting the grade or doing this is not me. But then you found a career, and this is also really common. You found a career that was reward and merit based, right? Like I'm assuming in POS, like that's a sales job, right? Oh yeah. Whatever you say. Yeah. So like you're in a in a position, so it makes a ton of sense. So you found yourself in the retail world. Um, how did you decide to start Streamline Retail? Yeah. So originally, you know, I was selling like point of sale systems, so like Mac based modern tools to old, so like brick and mortar retailers. Um, and what was interesting was that all the companies that were out there at the time, it was always just about software. And I, somewhere along the way, learned about value proposition. And if you you can sell the exact same thing, but if you present it in a different way, uh, it can change everything. And so I started my own business because I said like, hey, what if the point of sale was the means to an end? And instead, uh, I could teach you how you can transform your business through operations and use the tool as a means to get there. Um, and eventually we transformed to do that online. And now we're not just web designers. 
Um, there's a ton of really good ones out there. No, we're going to teach a brick and mortar business how to completely transform their business by beginning to sell online. And we're going to teach them the strategies and all the things that we need there. Anyway, that's where I got started. And that's how it's kind of morphed over the last, I don't know, seven years, however long it's been since I started. Yeah. So even in that seven years, retail has changed a lot. I mean, the number of big, big companies that have gone under just in that past seven years is not small. Uh, some of them, I, some I thought were going to make it. Some I knew were on their way. It was just a matter of when the when it finally hit, when it finally got there. What were some of the challenges that you faced in that seven years, and how'd you overcome them? The retail changed so much over the last several years, and navigating through like what is good advice, what is bad advice, was really challenging. I remember early on when I was just doing point of sale, I had some people come to me and ask me like, "Oh." So e-commerce, should we do it? And I was like, no, like that's not for you. Shipping's too expensive. You don't want to deal with returns. And I was like the naysayer on it. And then I saw proof of like, oh, this thing can really work. And then I was like, oh, online only. That's where you need to go. And it wasn't until I discovered like this third way that I was like, oh, you can actually do both and you can do it well. It just takes a unique strategy. But learning to navigate that and give advice to people who some are wanting to adapt and wanting to change. And some, I mean, let's be honest, in retail, as with a lot of industries, a, a lot of you might be listening and things are shifting and people aren't wanting to move. And as you're trying to talk to them, you want to be respectful of who they are and their vision and their goals. But you also need to be like, hey, do you not see how much the world is moving and changing around you? And navigating that was really hard. I, I fully agree. And I think I, I like that you address like even your perspective where you at one point were like the naysayer and then you became you know a convert of e-com. And I love the way that you're selling, which is that you can do both, but if in, it takes a special strategy, some operations. Luckily, you can learn how to do that at Streamline Retail, right? What are you seeing are some of the big challenges facing people like that are trying to be more adaptable? They, like, they're aware that they need to do something different than just traditional brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. But what's the biggest thing holding them back? You know, I don't think this is a retail exclusive problem. I really think that this is a business problem in general. I think that one of the the biggest struggles with being adaptable, as we might say, is the is the concept of like looking at the difference between the intentions behind what you do, what you do, and the actual actions that you take. And what I mean by that is like, let's take this to retail for a second. If someone walks in a store, you might welcome them and you're going to greet them in a certain way. Well, online, people will put up a picture of their store and say, welcome to my, welcome to Josh's boutique. Well, the intention of that welcome was so people would feel like they were in the right place. And online, when we put that welcome to Josh's boutique, no one feels like they're in the right place from that. We have to look at the intention of our actions, not our the actual action itself. And so when we think about any change in business... Like especially when we're talking about like primarily going from one channel to the other, you always have to look at, okay, why did we do what we did? If we're on Instagram, why did we do what we did to engage our audience in reels and whatever? Then we take that to TikTok. We take that to LinkedIn. We can apply the same strategy that we did in LinkedIn, Instagram to LinkedIn by looking at the intention of the action. And then you just apply it a little bit differently to a boring context. Um, that's really good. I think the importance of looking at intent intention versus just taking the action is super powerful. And I, I have an example of making that mistake. Uh, so I owned a restaurant at one point and I bought it from someone I knew. And the first thing I did was because I had seen it done so many other times is I did one of these big signs. I said, under new management. 
in my brain, that was a positive thing. And I remember somebody came in and, and I kind of asked like, what do you, what does this mean under new management? And they're like, oh, it didn't. And then I could tell from the conversation, it wasn't an exciting thing for them. In fact, it gave them uncertainty. And the last thing somebody wants in a restaurant is uncertainty of if like, what's the quality, right? Like they may not have had any issues with the previous management. And so now they're like, oh, great. Well, there goes that experience I used to enjoy. And so my intention was to say something positive to let them know like, hey, there's been a change. But the outcome was actually, I introduced uncertainty to the the potential like shoppers, right? Um, I just thought that was really interesting. Like I learned that lesson a long time ago, but I think the the difference between intention of the action and the action, make sure they're aligned. Absolutely. So there's, I mean, again, in in seven years that you've been doing this, there's a lot of changes in e-commerce, a lot of changes in brick and mortar, but I love that adaptability is really the same in any business. What are some things that you are seeing as like best practices right now in today's e-commerce and retail environment? Yeah. I mean, it's all about experience, right? Like no matter where people are engaging your brand, whether it's on social media or in a store and or online, it's all about the experience and the emotion, the way you serve people. And this is where we go wrong and not even in retail, uh, whether it could be your websites, your funnels, your ads, it all comes down to the way that people feel when they engage your brand, the way that you serve people, the way that you um, solve a pain point that they have which in retail, a pain point might be needing something cute to wear this weekend. In other world, other world, it's how do I make a million dollars in my business? Ultimately, no matter where people engage us, they should feel something similar. They should experience something similar. And so if a brand can figure out how to do this, I really believe that they're future-proof, that they're, you know, if quote-unquote e-commerce as we know it goes away, which I don't think it will, but who knows? Like if it's replaced with voice stuff, over over our Alexa devices, ultimately people are still going to be able to say like how they acknowledge how they serve their customers and take it to that channel also. So that's the I think that's like the core of e-commerce right now is really understanding the customer experience and then building your your you know then you can apply it to a channel. You can apply that to your website and actually start to think through every click that someone has and how you're serving in that particular spot. So you're mentioning something that I think most brick and mortar businesses are really good at, which is being able to have an interpersonal experience, like an experiential moment when someone comes into their store. It's easy to say, you need to create that online. Give us an example of how somebody is doing that. How are they, how are they doing e-commerce differently, right? How are they doing it in a way that actually creates an experience? You know, it's not that it's necessarily that different from online only. I really think that like what it, why are, where brick and mortar retailers can have an advantage here um, is it's kind of like a copywriter who uh, actually did phone sales for a really long time. They know how to talk like a human because they had to talk to humans. And it's going to serve you better when you know how to do that. And when you know how to overcome objections, you know what your customer is looking for, you're able to build out a unique experience to do that. Now, like what that plays out like online, a really good example of this is um, there in California is Vici Collection. Um, you know, if a woman walks in a store and, it, you know, hey, what brought you in today? Oh, I'm looking for a dress. A salesperson doesn't turn around and just hand them four dresses and be like, what do you think? No, they're going to be like, oh, what for? What do you, what's the dress for? 
So online, you go to their website and their navigation is dresses by style, dresses by occasion, dresses by length. It's the way that a woman's shopping dresses and it's guiding a customer through the journey, through the way people think. And I think no matter what industry we're really talking about, that's how I think we need to think about it is like, if you were having an in-person conversation, what would it be like? How would they respond and what questions would they have? And then what can we do to guide that? And I think that could be even seen just in how your product descriptions are written, right? Like, are you writing about this dress as if you're answering somebody's questions, right? Or are you writing it about like, well, it's cotton and it's 36 inches long and it's right. Like it's just stating Mm -hmm. facts, right? Like, and I think that is, uh, I like that that's, it gives them an advantage just because they speak the language at a deeper level or more personal level. And I, I think anytime we can make websites and online experiences feel more human, I think we're winning. Right. Like that's oh, that's the right direction to go. What are some mistakes people are making when they're moving from brick and mortar to online? Gosh, putting pictures of their store up as though you're going to like experience the store just because there's a picture. People are so proud of their store and they put that picture up and they are just saying, Welcome to my store. Kind of like when you go to a uh, a website and their logo, not even e-commerce, I even mean in general, you visit someone's funnel and literally like just their logo is front and center, and it's like no one cares about your brand. No one, like you and your mother are the only two people that really care. Otherwise, they care about themselves and they want to understand how can you solve their problem. Your e-commerce website, your funnel, it doesn't matter what we're talking about, should do that. And that's the first and foremost, that's the number one mistake that people make. Second, and it's funny, as soon as we start talking about e-commerce, this applies everywhere. Um, but it's this trust element of like using bad photography, making your site not really look like it's a human being. And I think we're store for a reason why brick and mortar retailers deal with this differently is they have the disadvantage because they've had automatic trust by standing there talking to people. And so they've never had to earn trust. Whereas an online only person understood that very early on because getting those first five sales, it's like climbing Mount Everest because no one believes that you're a real brand. So establishing trust through photography, through your copy, through you name it. There's a million things we could do on a site that would do that. Um, But those are some of the huge ones right now. What are some things that brands can do to get ready for Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Gosh, I love the question. Uh, One, plan. That's Have an actual plan? Have an actual plan. You know what? Come up with your promotions right now. Um, And honestly, if I were going to give a... Uh, a side thing to that, I would say everyone's focused on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, start to look outside of those a little bit. Um, one, go early this year, as early as you can. Um, a cool thing that a friend of mine does, her name's Ashley Alderson at the Boutique Hub. Um, she does a thing called Pink Friday, which is the Friday before uh, Black Friday. And the idea is to shop local first. Do your first Christmas shopping at local businesses, not the Saturday after you did all your stuff on Friday. Um, So think through some creative ways you can use holidays around it. Holidays are expanding, so use it to your advantage. Um, But think through, you know, as you're creating your plan, think through your one, what are your loyal customers doing with you? Um, And how are they shopping with you? Are we, if you're a clothing boutique, is your perfect customer stuck with her family and bored playing on her phone? In which case, you need to speak differently. It's not all gift guides or any of that. It's something else. Understanding your customer, what they're doing, 
Then you can build everything around that, your offers, your promotions, your emails, your ads, all of it around who you know your customer to be. And I'm going to keep doing this, but I think this applies to all of digital marketing. Um, it, you know, if you're a, if you're, if you have an offer on Black Friday, where is your customer on that day? Are they, shop- are they shopping on their phones while they're out with their wife? In which case, why are you writing long form sales copy? Because they're not reading it on that day. Your, your offer needs to have shorter copy. Anyway, I could go, this is the stuff I can nerd out about. I love, I love it. it. I'm, I'm wanting you to keep going. Like, okay, so let's pivot off of Black Friday. But I think, okay, I want people to catch that because this will be good every year for the rest of your life, what Josh just said. Look outside of the holidays, like look, you know, go early if you can. I love the idea of shop local before you shop big box. Um, but the really, the, the personal part of it, like where is your customer that day? And are they buying gifts that day or are they buying for themselves that day? Like what level of, you know, do you need help them justify the purchase? All of those things are like super important. Um, that's powerful. Now, a lot of those same principles, principles can be applied to like running sales and running things at any given moment. What are some of the foundational principles that a, like online stores should know about promotions and sales? Like, should they always be running sales? What are the tips there? Gosh, no. I mean, it depends on your business for sure. one. Um, you know, if you have a value customer that discount shopper, then sure, always be running sales. Um, but if you are not, then don't. Now, there's a difference between promotions and sales. Um, promotions are things that entice someone to come in and purchase. That's that 10% off your first purchase when you give us your email address. You know, you're gathering a contact, they're getting a discount. But then their sales is like 20% off. Uh, and I think those can be good to utilize on things like Black Friday and Cyber Monday, because ultimately that's what people are expecting now. Um, and so you you can do act a little outside of your brand on those days, uh, because I think people are coming to expect it. But uh, know the difference, know who your customer is and understand what you're trying to attract. Um, the things that I really love is starting to think through, especially for independent businesses, and now I'll get like super e-commerce specific, um, but start to think through like Jan- December and Q1 type things. So giving gift cards with spends over certain amounts that can only be used after January 1. Um, starting to think through some of those things that are going to get people coming back, even just giving gift cards away and like, hey, here's one for you and here's one for a friend. You know what? Even if 50% of people are just like, cool, I'll keep both of these gift cards. Okay. But the other half, you just gained a new customer by bringing them in. That's really effective marketing. And I think it can be really cool to uh, to do these things like throughout the holidays, whether it's online or in store. Um, I think it's an effective way to grow and to start thinking a little outside of just that current season. I really like, I love the gift cards that have to be used like in the gift gift cards, like, Hey, this is, you weren't expecting this and here's one to give away to. Um, it's this weird thing, like this reciprocity, if they get to give a gift away, right. It builds loyalty for you because they got, it got to help them elevate their status. One of the best promos that I ever did, I had an e-commerce store that the, the cheapest product in the store started at $79. And we did a $29, I think it was like $27 and 16 cents or something, uh, credit that we applied to every single person in the store. And we sent out sent out an email that says, "Hey, you have a you have a credit in your store, like don't lose it, type of thing." And it was this weird thing. It would it worked way better than doing a twenty five dollar off coupon 
because it was like, it's their money already. So now it, it wasn't like, if I don't use this, it's not like, oh, I don't, I won't use the coupon. It was, it flipped the script on them of like, oh, that's my money. I need to go get it. Right. I need to get my money. Um, and so the, the idea of just looking outside the box with promotions and that, that's what I was looking at with there. So I think that's amazing. What, uh, what are some big trends that you're seeing in the, in the space as we get into, holy cow, what year are we coming into? I can't even think uh, to me, it's still 2018, man, it's flying. Oh my gosh. I think it's 2021. I have to check. Like I have to check my age all the time. Like remembering. Yeah. So I tell people the right number. Cause at this point, like I don't count. I don't yeah. think about it that often. Um, gosh, the trends and the world. I mean, right now there's just so much and I feel so bad for re- the retail world. They've, you know, retailers have like a lot of people have really had a hard few years and we're seeing um, things with shipping and uh, with trying to hire and just all this stuff. And so one, like the, I guess I'm not really answering your question, but just like, there are these industries that I just want to like, oh my gosh, like you made it through this well done. Um, but general trends, you know, I think we're starting to see um, content really starting to be king, really good e-commerce brands are producing stellar content. Um, this you know, sometimes it's blogs like Huckberry is a really good example of like a, of great blogs, great emails, that sort of thing. But sometimes it's things like your, um, you know, the way you're using reels and that sort of thing um, is really becoming a trend. What I'm loving is what reels have done is kind of, it reminds me of Instagram eight, nine years ago, where small businesses had the upper hand and could blow up and all of a sudden you know they go they have a thousand followers and their videos are getting a million views and it's just it's incredible and so brands that are utilizing this stuff are are really getting to see get get to see some cool results right now i love that now as you've been growing your business as you've been doing this not only are you working in a space that has volatility right but you're an entrepreneur and you've had to be growing a company throughout it all um, over the recent years, as you've been growing, what were some of the challenges that your, that your company faced, uh, that you weren't expecting? This may not be your perfect answer, but you know, I said that I started out in the point of sale space and over time we had transitioned, we were doing point of sale and e-commerce and it got to a point where e-commerce was starting to grow, but I was holding on to point of sale because it was still a majority of our revenue. But I was starting to speak on e-commerce. So I was speaking on stages and like bigger and bigger stages. And there was this moment where uh, I'm speaking on a stage and it went really well. I get off the stage and, you know, after an event, you get off and a bunch of people come and they're asking questions and everyone's valuing every second of my time. And I get to my hotel room and someone had submitted a support ticket for a receipt printer. And I'm on someone's screen who doesn't even want to be talking to me fixing a receipt printer. And there was this moment where I was like, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing this ever again. And we literally fired half of our team. We fired, graciously fired half of our team. We fired most of our clients. We completely pivoted in our business to do something. Even though we already had that piece there, it was not, it, at that time, it was probably like 55 or 45% of what we were doing. And I took the risk and that risk was taken like halfway through 2019. So the timing was good in that it going into 2020, 
obviously doing what we do has worked out really well. Um, but at the time, realizing that even though I was serving a market that I enjoyed serving, I wasn't doing something that I wanted to do. And I don't think most people feel the freedom to really pivot and be like, you know what? I hate this. I hate doing this. I'm not going to do it anymore. I, I'm going to have to find a way to do it. And at some point, you know, you got to do the Tony Robbins, like burn the bridges and you, you, you got to move forward. And that, that revenue that was there, it, it hurt. It really did hurt. And I let that go willingly and it sucked. But what was on the other side and, and yes, there's luck there. And I can't like, yes, there was strategy. We did some things right, but I have to acknowledge like luck was a big piece of it. But I would like to think that even without that, we still would have succeeded because I think this was ultimately the best move. And I hope that those that people listening that are maybe doing something that they hate feel the encouragement that you don't have to be stuck in this thing that you hate, even in your own business. Like we build businesses that we hate, like do burn it down, do something else. Now, if it's the fifth time, maybe you got need to evaluate, but you get the point. Absolutely. And I, I echo that so much. Um, having rebuilt more than once and having made hard calls to make pivots, it's, uh, you use the word freedom to pivot. And I think that's so fascinating because most of the lack of freedom is self-imposed, right? Like we're, we're stopping ourselves from doing something just because it's hard, but we're never going to reach the next levels of freedom or of happiness or whatever, if we're not willing to also leave the past behind. Um, which segues into great, great into my last question, Josh, to me, business is about lifestyle. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a thriving business, if you hate your life, uh, what is one item on your personal bucket list that you're going to accomplish in the next 12 months? One item on my personal bucket. That's a hard question. Um, <laughs> that's the point. Got to think about us, right? Like what, what are you going to do with your life, man? What are you going to do in the next year? You know, this is, this is small, you know, first off in the last 12 months, I'm really grateful. Like I got to buy my dream car. We moved. It was, we had some cool stuff happen. That was really awesome. Um, I don't know why, but I've always been excited about the idea of coaching my kids soccer team. And this year I am coaching my kids soccer team. And interestingly enough, I know for a fact that four years ago, I would never have been able to do that time-wise. Yep. And this is the first year ever in my own business. Like I'm almost entirely removed from the delivery of what we do. Like I don't, I can't code. I, I can't do any of that stuff. Um, and so it's exciting to have the freedom to do that. So it's That's not, it's not sexy, but I'm getting to coach my kid's soccer team. No, no I need to learn how to do it. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't play soccer. <laughs> That's huge. I'll send you some stuff. I, I went through all of that too. And I, and it's so amazing because a lot of people give me these big answers of go to Machu Picchu or they're going to do something or buy their dream car. And I, there's, there's nothing wrong with those answers. I love every one of the answers people give, but sometimes the most meaningful answers are, I finally have my business in a place where I get to coach my kids. And so I love that. Love you for sharing that. And to all my biz ninjas, wherever you are watching, listening, tuning in or reading, it's your turn to go out and do something. 
Thank you for tuning in to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. What you didn't hear was one more very important question that Tyler asks each guest. If you want to be a fly on the wall when the real secrets are shared, go to bizninja.com slash VIP and get your access today. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And our one last favor, if this episode was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a fellow entrepreneur so they can grow along with us. Biz Ninjas, it's your turn to go out and do something.